Okay, we're joined today by MEP Claude Turmes, who, alongside his colleague Michel Rivasi, is co-rapporteur in the European Parliament for the governance of the Energy Union. Um, Claude, energy governance might sound a little bit dry to some, um, but could you tell us what it's about and why it's really important? So we have in Europe today uh, a lot of legislations on renewable energy, on energy efficiency, on the internal market, on, 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 on grids. And uh, what is new in this package, and that was something which was missing before, is we need a coordination of all this. And that is uh, the file which uh, I run with Michel, is uh, the governance, or we could also uh, call it uh, an EU energy and climate framework law, which then coordinates the efficiency efforts, the renewable energy efforts, uh, how it plays together with the power market, with transport, all that, uh, and... Uh, that is uh, in in that piece. And why is that important? It's not only important for inside Europe, but it's also important to represent Europe in the Paris negotiation. So it's about Paris, 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 the climate agreement. Uh, So Europe, the European Union has negotiated as one block uh, this accord. And now, basically, what we must make sure is that the EU as a bloc has a say on and, and has the possibility to enforce and to ensure that what EU as a whole has promised uh, will be delivered by the member states. Because otherwise we would be in a situation where EU is promising something at the international level and then it has no grip on the member states to deliver. And that is this missing piece of, uh, of coordination between uh, the different files which uh, we are now doing, and I, I, I think we are doing it in a good way. So what is the current picture in terms of energy governance in the EU, and how is it working or not working? So uh, we have very good legislation on uh, energy efficiency. Uh, we have a framework legislation. We have detailed uh, legislation on uh, on the design of uh, standards for refrigerators, TVs. We have a law on on, on, on the efficiency of cars. Uh, we have a law on the efficiency of buildings, uh, so so we have a very solid, uh, robust efficiency uh, framework. We have a renewable directive, which we are now basically revising. And then we have, uh, as I told before, we have legislation uh, uh, steering the, the power market. Um, so um, all, all that is in place. Uh, What we need now to do is basically to better coordinate it, but also to ensure that we have enough ambition for the rollout of renewables in the next decade. The whole challenge of climate change is about preventing CO2 to go to the atmosphere. So our challenge in Europe is closing down coal power plants as fast as we can, closing down uh, combustion engines in cars as fast as we can, replacing it for the heating of houses, uh, gas and oil by renewables. And um, what we are doing in the vote next week also is raising the ambition, because the ambition as proposed by the 28 governments is not good enough. The 28 governments proposed 27% of renewables in 2030. They present, uh, they want to, uh, an increase of energy efficiency of 30%. All that is not good enough to bring us on the Paris track. So the Parliament, and with the push from the Greens, we are trying to move to 35, 35 at least, uh, in order to give us 
a faster rollout of efficiency technology, a faster rollout of renewable technology in order to be able to close down coal and oil and gas uh, without uh, basically uh, uh, threatening the security of supply of the electricity or and the energy system. Because that presumably is necessary if they use to meet its Paris Climate Agreement requirements. Yes, so, so uh, and, and uh, this is of course important f- for, for the international level for the climate change, but what is the beauty of what we are doing is with every electric car in a city, with every uh, renewable, uh, let's say a solar heating system in a city, we improve also the air quality. With every building which is refurbished, uh, we reduce the energy costs, so we reduce uh, energy poverty in Europe. With every efficiency investment in an industry, which we are triggering, we modernize the European processing industry and we create jobs and we, we make sure that the European industry is competitive. Um, at the climate negotiations in Bonn in November, we saw a lot of initiatives that were implemented by businesses and associations. There was also the great work that was done by some states and cities in the US under the, the We Are Still In campaign, which was their response to President Trump's decision to pull out of the Paris Agreement. I mean, do you feel that governments are now in some ways lagging behind what's being done by citizens and being done privately? Um, and do no, you in the US for sure. So Trump is, uh, I called him in one of the interviews, a climate idiot. He is really, his position on climate is completely irresponsible, completely irresponsible, not only for America, but also for the globe. The good news is that in Europe, also because we have this robust European legislation, not all governments, but a lot of governments in Europe uh, are really taking uh, uh, climate change serious and are moving. The challenge will be that even the strongest governments, even the greenest government, alone cannot win the battle. We need a partnership with cities. If I want to win the transport game, if I want a fast rollout of electric cars, if I want less cars, more bicycles, if I want more car sharing, I have to, to have a partnership with Paris, with Copenhagen, with Berlin, with Munich, with, with Roma, with, with Madrid. So. The beauty of the legislation we are creating now is that for the first time ever, we give an institutional role for cities. So the mayor of Paris has a say from now on in the climate plan of France. The mayor of Madrid has a a say in the climate plan of Spain. The mayor of Berlin has a say in the climate plan of Germany. Um, So... And the second thing which we are doing uh, is empowering citizens. Citizens have understood that climate change is a threat, uh, but it's also an opportunity for them to take advantage of the fantastic innovation around solar PV batteries, so that uh, electromobility or electric bike, for example, to, in a certain sense, reclaim the power in the power sector. So we, we are now in an age of where we have so many decentralized uh, good technologies around renewables and energy efficiency that we can empower the citizen and that is also what we are doing through this legislation. Well, I mean, speaking of the citizens, another thing that's always visible at the, the climate negotiations as there was in Bonn, I mean, there was 25,000 people took to the streets to march um, for the climate and demanding an end to coal and support for green energy. I mean, could you maybe just touch a little bit more on how you'll ensure that the citizens' demands are really considered and how they can be implemented in this and taken taken 
Yep, so in, in, in our file, as voted next week, we ask for the end of fossil fuel subsidies. Coal power plants are running because they are not paying for all the damage they cause. So if we win next week, uh, combined with an, uh, another uh, file which we will vote in in March, April, where we will forbid to have new subsidies also for coal uh, in the power sector, then uh, the uh, operation of coal, be it old and new, will be uh, not economic anymore, and then uh, this will accelerate the phase-out of coal. So that's one very important thing. But in order to phase out something, you need to phase in something. So the the... The, the challenge for us is to move as fast as we can from now on with solar energy, with wind onshore, wind, wind offshore, with all kinds of efficiency technology combined with, uh, with the uh, huge data we can, can use also from, from the, the whole internet uh, of, of things to, to create a new energy world which makes the old coal, the old oil cars and boilers uh, obsolete. And what everybody has to understand, climate change, winning climate change is now. So the next decade is decisive. If the next decade in Europe we are not phasing out coal and oil and gas, uh, it will be just too late to do the European contribution to Paris. So uh, it's a big fight, but uh, I, I'm reasonably optimistic that our vote next week in the European Parliament uh, in a certain sense, the European Parliament will save the climate honour of Europe uh, in a moment where the governments have taken a too less ambitious uh, position. I mean, there seems to be uh, a common belief that renewable energy is is very expensive and oh. perhaps out of reach of so all it was of those, years ago, huh? very wealthy. <laughs> I mean, just how would you respond to that? And what are the Greens doing, say, to, to tackle energy poverty and to make renewables accessible to as many citizens as possible? So... Renewable is a fantastic success story. Solar, uh, the costs of solar have been cut by 8 to 10 over the last 10 years. Uh, a solar device is, so, and I give you one example, nuclear energy. Um, a new nuclear reactor costs today twice more than a, so, a big solar uh, device. So, can you imagine what we as Greens have achieved together with all the folks out there who protested against nuclear? When we started to go against nuclear 25, 30 years ago, there was no alternative. Today, the alternative is cheaper than the dangerous nuclear. So uh, this is a fantastic progress, which was only possible because all over Europe there were Greens pushing for national laws or European laws for more renewables. And now we are in the fantastic situation that we get the benefits of these very voluntaristic policies on renewables. Costs for solar are cheap, for onshore wind are cheap, for offshore wind are cheap, and now we can roll out uh, this massively. The only, there is no reason anymore not to, to develop massively renewables. There is only opposition from a happy few old coal power station owners and old nuclear power station owners. So, and uh, that is what this opposition is what we have to crack. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Claude Termes, and look forward to seeing the result of the vote next week. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. <laughs>